0: Thank you, Pastor. All right, I uh, got a lot to cover. We'll roll into it. A couple things. Um, I me uh, my jacket here. I start midnights Tuesday night, so uh, for a week, I, sh- I-, I plan to be here next Sunday morning to teach. Uh, bright and early hopefully i'll be awake enough I intend to be and, um, but uh, I ask for your prayers not so much for safety I mean nothing's going to happen to me unless God allows it I'm just asking that for safety everybody else on the highway so i don't have to deal with it. I'd just like to have a quiet midnight shift you know what I'm saying for, of you know seven. Seven days straight of, to me, a successful night of midnights, and I'm serious, is an on duty time and an off duty time and nothing in between. So uh, it's happened, you know, three or four times over the years. But um, I cannot stress enough how. These lessons we're going to be going over in this one that here we, we started last week as far as the Word of God, and we're finishing up today as far as part two, that uh, we're scratching, literally just scratching the tip of an iceberg on each subject here. Uh, here the last couple of weeks as I prepared for this uh, second lesson, in, and I was reading in Scripture and just seeing th- things kept on popping up, that uh, every single topic, when it comes to the word of God, you can go deep and you can go deep and you can go deep. And you just, it, it's like the the more that you study it or the more that you read it, the more things start to illuminate. And it's like, oh my word, I didn't see that before. And um, the, uh, to really know the full extent of each subject, you're gonna to have to do some studying yourself. We're scratching, we're getting the, the, just the foundation of each one. But last week we ended with the um, uh, inspiration of God. And I know a lot of, of people and, you know, people think they're you know, great theologians in their heads or whatever, they'll go into the dynamics in the Greek and we're talking about God breathed and all this. Bottom line, the word inspiration to me is by far sufficient in English to understand that God is the one that inspired the men that he chose to give us his word, all right? You know, just any author, they they, they may have something in their mind and something inspires them and they sit down and they write a book. Uh, Oh, I can't think of his name. The one of the horror stories that turns into movies. Yes, thank you. You know, I don't know where that guy gets his inspiration. I know it's not God the Father, and I know there's like two spiritual families in the world, and he gets a lot of inspiration from. he writes some fantastic stuff. But that's a good example. He got inspiration from somewhere to write these fascinating horror stuff. All right, and it's that God is the one that inspired. That's what we need to understand. That He's the one that. And we look. At, we saw some verses last week as far as the inspiration, but secondly. In as far as I'm concerned, more important for us today because we weren't there to get it hot right off the press when God gave it to Moses. Abraham wasn't even there when God gave it to Moses. All right, but we're here in 2021, and can we have the confidence and the peace and the assurance and the solid conviction that we have the sure word of prophecy? And it's yes because God promised when He inspired His Word that He would preserve His Word, and He's been involved in preserving His Word all through the centuries to where we have it today. But here in your notes, uh, if you have a, if you does anybody not have a copy of these notes? denton has got some. Okay, all right. Not only did God inspire the Bible, but He preserved it as well. Jesus said. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but blank here, my words shall not pass away. Matthew 24:35. 35. Uh, David said, "The words of the Lord are pure words, a silver tried in a furnace of fire, a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever." Uh, I think I mentioned at the end of last week's uh, Sunday School uh, lesson uh, that I I hope that y'all would take the time to read Jeremiah 36. Phenomenal passage of Scripture that lays out the inspiration of God and the preservation of God, like just about probably no other chapter in the Bible does. There's a lot of chapters and a lot of passages that do as far as the inspiration and the preservation. But that one is just amazing. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah, inspiration, who dictated to Baruch, the scribe, who wrote the words in a book, preservation. Even when God's enemies destroyed the original book or the original manuscript, he made sure it was rewritten. Other verses on preservation are Isaiah 48. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand Forever, Jesus himself referenced written scripture. Uh, I counted up last yesterday uh, when I was finalizing, just looking over my notes. But if you take the words in red in the New Testament, and just based on that, Jesus Christ himself writ, uh, referenced written scripture 29 times. Uh, according to Luke 4, 6 and 17, there is a very strong implication, I believe personally, but a very strong implication that Jesus constantly read scriptures. Luke 4, 16 through 22, listen to the been brought up. We're talking about Jesus. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the covering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book, and He gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on Him. And He began to say unto them, This day... Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And I'll bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. We can be sure that if God promised to preserve his word, we have it today. We have it today. Scriptures have been inspired and preserved by God for mankind. God didn't provide scriptures for the angels or the sun, moon, and stars, or for the animal kingdom, or Mother Earth, or global warming, or all this kind of stuff where everybody has a propensity. They have to want to worship something or so, uh, someone. He gave the word of God to mankind. God inspired in your notes, God inspired and preserved scriptures that we might have the infallible guide that will bring us to salvation. And then daily sanctification. Salvation from our sinful condition and lost communion with God Almighty. Uh, The written word of God is active in salvation. Check here on my notes here, make sure I'm not... The Word of God is the agent which brings about the new birth. We, have, we are saved by grace through faith, and faith comes by hearing God's Word. The Word of God is able to save our souls, James 1.21. Paul's summary of the Gospel is contained in four parts in 1 Corinthians 15:1 through 4 Jesus Christ died for our sins, he was buried. He rose from the dead. And number four, according to the scriptures. Our foundation for why we believe what we believe, or why we preach the gospel, or why we minister the gospel, or why we witness to people is because it is the Word of God. It's from scriptures. And uh, it's what people need to hear. You must accept. You must accept and believe what the Bible says about sin, your condition, and God's plan of salvation in order to be saved. We talk about people that need to to repent uh, before they can be saved. I believe that, but the repentance that I believe that people need to do is repenting of the system that they're trusting in to get them to heaven or with their attitude that I'm not as bad as that guy, they need to repent of that kind of mindset. They need to repent of uh, this is the religion I was born with and I think it's sufficient. Um, and they're relying on just being a member of a religion. It very, very common, very hard in, in Romania and I'm sure probably in Italy, to get somebody to unhook their brain in their heart and their mindset from their cultural background of how they were raised in the religion they were raised in, that's such a cultural grasp. The same thing with uh, people in the Jewish religion. They need to repent of that mindset in order to be saved. It's not a matter of you got to repent of your lifestyle, you got to repent of this, you got to repent. You can't get good enough to get saved. You just need to be broken of your condition that you're a sinner that there's no way you can get yourself to heaven, nothing else and no one else, and that it's only through Jesus Christ in God's plan to save our soul that someone must repent. You must accept and believe what the Bible says about sin, your condition, and God's plan of salvation or to be saved. Jesus Christ's, Jesus Christ's teaching about the rich man and Lazarus dying in the two different destinations Abraham's rebuke of the rich man in hell. Luke 16, 19, 31 is the whole story there. But picking up in verse 27 through 31, Jesus is speaking the entire time here. And he, referring to the rich man, said, I pray thee therefore, Father, referring to Father Abraham, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. So all of a sudden now, this guy wants to be an evangelist. He's burning in hell, and he's concerned about everybody else that's going to die and come. And it's amazing when you start studying just this story and you start unpacking, that's what I was talking about as far as this past week, or the week before last when I was putting this together, that it just, it starts to expound, and you start realizing all these different things where, wait a second, We've always said that, you know, people that are, you know, we've heard, I don't know if you've heard the I've heard a story, you know, some you're trying to talk to somebody, you know, drinking beer or whatever, and it's, it's like, well, all I know is that all my friends are down, are going to be in hell, and I'll be there, and we're going to be partying. And it's like, yeah, maybe all your friends are going to be there, I don't know about how much partying you're going to be doing. But what's amazing is, is you have this man who's lost, he's burning in hell, he's in torment, and yet he still has enough compassion and concern and love for his family. So you, apparently you don't lose the love for somebody else or concern or compassion for somebody else, according to what this story's given us. He's concerned about his, his five brothers, that they don't come down here to this place Lest they also come into this place of torment. Don't have a physical body. It's in the grave, according to the story. So he's down, his soul's down there. And he can feel torment. He can feel the pain. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets Let them hear them. When you start start considering that, Abraham was long dead before God provided any written scripture of his to mankind because Moses comes on the scene and he's writing about the account of creation. They're in Genesis. Moses is writing about the life of Abraham. Moses is writing about all this history that Moses was not around that God provided to him because God was there. So it's like, how in the world does Abraham know about this? Well, Abraham's been down there since he died. And of course, Abraham's bosom, the saved people, the ones that, that, are, looking, that, are, that are waiting for Jesus Christ to die to, 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 to give them the new life, are down there with Abraham, and they're conveying to him. Say, hey, listen, you know, he's listened to all the stories. Who's sitting next to Abraham? I, I'm not talking about hearing the story, but over time, it's like Moses. Hey, Abraham, let me tell you. Let me tell you what the Lord had me do. I mean, I had to write five books in all about your life and everything else, and, and about your son and just on and on and on, to where Abraham heard all the scriptures from all and heard the testimonies. Yeah, this convicted me. And we can go back, and here this morning, I was reading in the, in the uh, Old Testament, to where uh, there was one king, it was an off king, Jehoiak, uh, I can't remember his name. It was, it was an, like an off-named king, but um, pretty decent. And he gets the, 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 um, the priests together, and, and Levites together, and they go out, and they're teaching the word of God, all through Judah. And um, so, you know, they show up, and Abraham clearly has heard and learned the written word of God there. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Is that an accurate statement? Did that actually happen? Who rose from the dead three days later and they still rejected him as being the Messiah? rose from the dead three days later, and they still stoned Stephen. Because Stephen was preaching to them that, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. And here you have the the religious leaders, the doctors of theology of that day, crucify the Messiah, and they still rejected him, and they're not believing Moses and the prophets. They have it there, it's written there, but they're not believing it. And though, ro- though one rose from the dead, they will not repent. And that is the absolute truth. That's exactly what happened. Uh, there in your notes, children, ha- children are able to learn and understand their need for God's salvation plan from the Old Testament. In 2 Timothy three fifteen, Paul is teaching Timothy, and Paul says to Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So you have Timothy, and you have his mother and his grandmother are teaching him the written word of God, and he can understand about salvation as a child. How come the rich man didn't accept it? And Abraham says, hey, they've got, just like Timothy, they've got Moses and the prophets. Let them... Hear them, because Timothy accepted it. Secondly, uh, we have the preserved word of God, first for salvation, but secondly for sanctification, for what purpose? That, we, that, while, we are, that while we as born-again children of God are here on earth, we might fulfill God's objectives to bring glory to Him as well as doing His will, commanded in what is called our Great Commission. I think I even uh, went ahead and put uh, the two passages in, in your notes there. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo... I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In uh, your notes, there came up with this and this these three Ps. Thought of another one this morning when I was reading over this. But number one, we are to have His power. His power, to serve, in the Church of Jesus Christ. In the Church of Jesus Christ. Secondly. We are to be his proclaimers. And another one I thought of this morning. We, could, we are to be his preachers as far as preaching the word of God. But uh, proclaimers, you nowhere, where we're at, throughout the world. And third, we are to be his professors to the unregenerate soul as well as regenerate, regenerated men and women of God. Now, professors... It says there, there in uh, Matthew eighteen nineteen, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Um, one thing that I learned really quick in, when we were missionaries in Romania is that it was very easy to get a Romanian person to bow their heads and go through the whole prayer of salvation. Wow. And you could have a whole congregation of Orthodox people in there They'll all bow their heads and pray and receive Jesus Christ into their heart. How many of you prayed that prayer? A hundred people raise their hand. Praise the Lord, it will be awesome for a newsletter to send home of what God has done here. Then you go back three or four days later and said, hey, did you mean what you said? Oh, yeah, I meant what I said. Why in the world would I pray? Well, of course I'll pray that. I'm not going to reject Jesus Christ. I pray that every day. Oh, well, I, I realize, like, well, Satan believes all this as well. But Jesus Christ told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. in, in what I realize is that in Romania, and here in America, it's the same way, is that there's going to be times where you have to invest your time in someone's life to teach them and unpack all that religiosity, everything they're trusting in to get them to, to, get them to heaven versus uh, what the Bible has to say. You know, they're born into it. They're not born into being taught it. I mean, Nitten and Neha will testify day in and day out. They were born into a Christian families. They believed all the Christian stuff. But he'll tell you over and over, I was never taught what the Bible actually had to say. And it's the same thing was in Romania, and it's the same thing with a lot of people here. There's times where you just had to teach people to understand what God is saying, and it takes the Word of God, uh, be his professor to teach. And then the regenerate men and women, that's just discipleship. It goes on to say uh, they're... Uh, After after they've received Jesus Christ and they've been baptized, teaching them to reverse all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That's where people that have gotten saved, you disciple them. Uh, I, I put there, teaching by your walk, teaching by your words. One is not more important than the other if you don't have a walk of being a godly sanctified separated from the world the whole mindset of the world the thinking of the world the talk of the world i mean if if i'm concerned about fitting in at work man i would have the greatest potty mouth like the next guy i'd fit in oh john's cool yeah, he's a chaplain, and he says he's a Christian, but man, he can cuss just like the rest of us. And I'll fit in, all right. In in there's there's one of one of my friends, Seth. He's young man. He's old as my son, but um, my ship partner. He he gets funny. I mean, he he does great imitations of everybody, whether on the radio or whatever. And he 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 goes into a Litany of things as far as imitating me on the radio and on traffic stops that he's backed me up on and at domestics that I've dealt with and whatever. And um, it's just, you know, people just dying laughing or whatever. Um, and some other guys, they'll, they'll go ahead and try to do that as well. When I'm not, and that I've heard him, he's got boldness to say it in front of me. But other guys, I guess they don't. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll start, you know, imitating me on stops or calls, and invariably, this is what he's told me, Seth told me, they will start using profanity. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you, whatever, whatever. In Seth will jump. No, 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 no. You are, that is not Woodward. I have never heard John say a cuss word. Your walk is just as crucial as your talk. Now, what I'm talking about, the talk is that you have to preach the word of God. And if you don't have the testimony to back it up, it's meaningless. All right? Now, if you're all walk, we were in church years and years ago for about six months or nine months or whatever. They were sending out missionaries that their whole goal was to go over to Europe and they were going to live the Christian life. And I think it's uh, it's something to uh, evangelism, uh, lifestyle, lifestyle evangelism. They weren't going to go out door to door. They weren't going to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. They were just going to live and people would see the difference. What? Hand in hand. One's not more important than the other. Um, Sanctified to, to be able to walk the walk, let your conversation be. All right. Moving on from salvation sanctification to be there. Teachings of scripture fall into four categories according to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture. What scripture is it referring to that Paul is referring to? To me it's crucial. Because uh, right here, this little note that Pastor created as far as the agenda for the service today, technicality, that is scripture, correct? Anything that's written is can can be considered by definition scripture. Any book, just by the definition of the word scripture, at least what I was next verse up all scripture. What we're talking about is holy scripture, scripture that has come from God, that God has provided all, God's scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it came from God and is profitable for four things doctrine, what is right. What is right? Reproof, number two, reproof, what is not right? Three, correction how to get right. And number four, instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. Doctrine, what is right. Reproof, what is not right. Correction, how to get right. Instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. Why? Verse, the next verse down, verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect Truly furnished unto all good works. That is the purpose. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The man of God should be living in the renewed spirit, which is perfect, without sin, not living in the flesh. Bible over and over, the flesh is not perfect. The flesh is wicked. The flesh is sinful. But a man of God that submits to the Word of God and lives according to the Word of God can live perfectly in the Spirit, which is perfect. And, and I, don't, I don't use the term complete, because complete does not take place until I get my glorified body. Then I will be complete. But the Bible said, God said that you can be perfect, not glorified, not sinless, but perfect as far as having a perfect heart towards God. All, all through the scripture, God says that certain people were perfect towards Him. It's a matter of a man's heart, as his attitude far as what he thinks about God and, and his whole attitude towards God, and especially towards the Word of God. There in Psalms 119, you've probably heard me say this numerous times over the years, well, over the years, I've only been here about three years, but uh, Psalms 119 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Uh, it's a, a very long chapter. It's a chapter that deals pretty much solely dealing with the Word of God and has many different references as far as describing the Word of God or the Bible. And Psalms 119 teaches us what the Bible charges the believer with eight responsibilities concerning scriptures. Now, personally, at chapter so long, you could probably pick out thirty, but as far as at least eight specific responsibilities. Number one, as far as our attitude, as far as our heart, we're to love them. He's got the verse references there. We're to love the scriptures. Secondly, we're to prize them. It's to have value in our life. What do we value in life? You know, a, a fisherman, or a professional fisherman. I mean, what does what what, what he prize in life? His fishing. He invests. He spends money. He spends resources. He spends time. It's a prize to him as far as, not, not catching the prized fish, but just his whole how he values it. The Word of God needs to be a prize to us. Thirdly, study them. We're to study the Scriptures. Fourth, memorize them. <clears throat> the King James Bible says that we're to confess our faults one to another. I think most all the other translations says confess your sins one to another. That's a Catholic mentality or an Orthodox mentality as far as confessing your sins. I have no business, and you have no business confessing your sins to me. You need to take them directly to Jesus Christ. All right? Because he's the only one that can do anything about it. But the King of the Bible says we're to confess our faults one to another. In this morning, a fault I've got is being in a church that is doing something that is I've rarely ever seen, if ever, in all the churches I've been involved in, members of been born and raised in church, that um, is actually doing what God wants us to do here, according to Psalm chapter one nineteen, on one on Wednesday night. And that is challenging and encouraging us to memorize the Word of God. And on Wednesday nights I come, and my flesh is not really happy about sitting here. While other people are quoting scripture. That I haven't taken the time to memorize. It was a phenomenal book that has been put together for us whether it's by pride, whether it's by laziness, whether whatever reason that's unjustified, I don't take the time. And the Lord's been convicted me the last couple weeks, and I can't find my book. I've got two of them in the house somewhere. But um, we're to memorize them. Because let me tell you something. I am convinced there's coming a day where it's going to be a crime to carry this hate literature around. God is a God of love. He's also a God of hate. There's a lot of things God hates. It's enumerated in this book. It'll come a day where we may be going to prison and we don't have access, physical access to this book. And how much have we memorized that we've got in our heart that we can rely on, that we can rely on? Number four, memorize them. Number five, meditate on the word of God. How can you meditate on it if you don't know it as far as memorize it? Number six, trust them. Trust the scriptures. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. It's one of the greatest verses. That is one of my favorite verses. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And we're not not talking about the basic. Uh, He offended me. All right, There's nothing wrong with getting offended because Jesus Christ sure got offended when he went into the synagogue that one time, and they're making a mockery of the synagogue, and he started kicking stuff around and throwing stuff around. Oh, he was offended with the righteous offending. But bottom line there, nothing shall offend them. Nothing's going to cause them to fall away from following and loving God. Great peace have they which love thy law. And it comes down to it's not so much, you know, loving this, you know, piece of paper and ink. It's a matter of loving the Word of God. If if I go to Kieran, what time I got here? You know, if I, honey, I love you, but I can't stand a thing you say. Don't ever say anything. It it doesn't quite match up if I don't love what she says to me with loving God. It's kind of hard to put together that oh, I love God, but I don't love what he says to me. I don't love the word of God. I don't take the time to listen to it. Honey, I want to spend time with you, but I don't want to hear a word you have to say. That really goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Good relationship tool. Trust them. Number seven, obey them. Obey them. Number eight, declare them. Run through them again. One, love them, prize them, study them. Number four, memorize them. Number five, meditate on them. Number six, trust them. Number seven, obey them. Number eight, declare them. Uh, Let me close with this here. I was wanting to close with something else, but we do not have the time. Um, There in your notes, I put there, what is the one thing as a born-again believer, child of God, that you can do here on earth for God want to use the term for God it really needs to be God through us that you cannot do for him in heaven meditate on that this week if you think you know just let me know some other time but um, what is the one thing we can do for God here on earth that it is not possible to do for him in heaven but let me have a word of prayer Dear Father thank you for this time thank with the folks that are here Thank you for your word, and uh, Father, I pray that I would grow to love it like you want me to. All else will follow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.